welcome to the Guiding Compass podcast. My name is Sandra Kushner, and I started this podcast to provide information and tools to my listeners about issues related to mental health and well-being. I have Takesha Jackson back on my show. She was a guest a few months ago, and she was talking about life skills and millennials, a really popular episode because there really is an epidemic going on right now with people in their you know, mid-20s, early 20s, not knowing how to take on life and not having the tools and skills to do that. So, so excited to welcome her back. She just recently had a baby. I wanted to congratulate her for that. And yeah, thank you for joining me again, Takesha. Thank you. Yeah. How have you been doing? I've been doing great. The transition into motherhood is definitely one that I don't think anyone can prepare for, Mm -hmm. but I am definitely enjoying this new chapter of my life. Yeah, that's awesome. You're so busy with all that you have going on and now having a child as well. Right. Together. Such a great example and mentor, which is so um, relevant to what we're going to be talking t- about today. So congratulations to you. Thank you. Um, for those of you that haven't listened to the previous episode, I wanted to give um, Takesha a chance to introduce herself and tell us a little bit about how she got started with this work and what made her interested in working with millennials. So can you please share a little bit about you and your journey here with us? Sure. Sure. So I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. Um, I currently own a private practice in Cerritos, which is LA County on the border of Orange County. And I work with primarily uh, millennials or I call them transitional age youth as well, 16 to 25. And then I work with young adults and couples. And so I'm also a professor and that's actually a lot of the work that I do with the millennials. Um, And I used to work in high schools and just within the school system, developing mental health programs. And so Part of my work is therapy currently, and then the other half is coaching and mentorship. And so the reason I'm so passionate about working with millennials is because through my work with the high schoolers and then also now college students for about the last 10 years, actually, um, I've noticed that there's been a trend of them not knowing what to do next. So, for example, when I um, talk to my college students, it's a community college And I noticed that a lot of them are staying beyond the regular two to three years. And when I actually sit them down and ask them why is it that they haven't moved forward, the common answer is that they just don't know even if they're taking the right courses to begin with. And that bothers me because they are supposed to get guidance, but some of them don't even know where to get the guidance from. And that goes for therapy clients as well. So my goal here today is really to focus on mentorship and what are some things you can look for in a mentor and even how you find a mentor. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is such an important tool to have in your box and understanding that it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to look up to somebody. Because what I see working with the same age group and population are people kind of just like treading water, not knowing what the next step is for them. And I think in our last podcast, when we had that discussion, you said something that stuck with me, which is you know, schools think that parents are teaching kids life skills and parents think that the schools are teaching the kids life skills. And in reality, they're not learning any. Exactly. So having a mentor, having someone to kind of give you direction, guidance, advice, and be a non-judgmental, you know, adult role model to look up to is so vital. Um, whether that comes to relationships or career, I think that that's something that's really lacking in our current culture for kids. 
Right. No, I definitely agree. Um, and the issue is that because a lot of individuals don't realize that that's what kids lack until, you know, it's too late when they've thrown away their credit, they dropped out of college or they just get lost. Um, not until then, maybe in their early 20s, they try to help. Uh, but for some kids, that might be too late because they would have needed help, you know, a few years for, you know, a few years. So yeah, definitely. And I think the hard thing, too, is recognizing that sometimes a mentor needs to be somebody outside of the family system. And that can be kind of challenging for parents to accept. Right. Um, wanting to be the role model for their kids or having certain expectations to relinquish the control of like, oh, like maybe I need to go to an outside person or tap into my network of friends or my social group to see if there's someone that can help my kid out. That can be a vulnerable thing for a parent to kind of recognize um, and ask for help in that way. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think that what might help is if the parents also knew the benefits of having a mentor, because if I think about my mom, she didn't have a mentor. Like the mentorship were, yeah, your parents, but like you said, beyond that, depending even with the era that the parents grew up in, and then also restrictions about, you know, going outside the family, they may not understand the benefits of a mentor, maybe even until they talk to another kid's parent that has a mentor outside of the family or within. Yeah. And so I think it's our goal to even begin to talk to the parents or caregivers of these young adults or children about the benefits of reaching out to find these kids' mentors, ideally even before they hit the transitional age. Yeah, that's so important. So tell me a little bit about how you do this kind of coaching and um, guidance work with both care parents and children. Mm -hmm. um, and what do you help them recognize that they need to look for in a person to be a mentor? So I do two different types of services. One of them is more in service where I go talk to college students, you know, kind of like as a, um, a empowerment motivational speaker. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, I talk to kids at my church. I talk to family members. I mean, pretty much anyone who contacts me on social media, I'll give them general information about what they should be doing. Um, and my college students. And so one of the first steps that I typically get out, not part of a program, just you know, free, free of information is you have to know what you're looking for in a mentor. I'll give you an example. Um, I go to a particular community college out here um, about once every semester to go talk to a group of students about transitioning and about how to be successful within their own field. And, you know, a couple of students will always come up to me um, and it doesn't surprise me anymore that they'll ask me, you know, you know, am I taking on any more mentees? And so I started to think, you know what, let me stop and educate them when I'm even giving them my spiel about success. When you look for a mentor, you have to know what the qualities of a mentor you would like. So for example, when I, when I picked my mentor, I thought about what is the time commitment that I need from this mentor. And I think this is also for parents because depending on a child or a young adult schedule, they may not even have room for a mentor, but yet you want your child to have a mentor so they can go the next level up, mm -hmm. you know? And so what's the time commitment required for the mentor? How often do you want to talk to your mentor? And then the means of how you talk to your mentor, meaning there's a lot of technology communication nowadays. So, you know, do you want to email back and forth once a week, once a month? Do you want to have an online Skype or FaceTime call? Do you want to meet up for coffee at Starbucks and talk for an hour once a month? Or is it every six months? Because I had a mentor in grad school and we talked while I was at school, 
I still stay in contact with her to this day and it's been over 10 years, but I reach out to her when I need something, but that was our agreement. And some people are a little bit more organized or structured, maybe in the beginning stages, but toward the latter part when they succeeded, they may not be in contact as often. Yeah. So it's kind of recognizing what you need and also how much you're willing to invest and commit into this process. Right. Can you share a little bit about what a mentor actually is and how it can be used? Because there might be some people that are like, what are you talking about? So the the goal of a mentor, and you don't have to use this just for school. That was just an example, but it could be a mentor. For example, I have a coach and it's specifically for business strategies for my private practice. I can have a mentor such as a health coach to help me with nutrition. The goal of a mentor is just an extra support system for you outside of yourself because we tend to not push ourselves as hard as we should. But a mentor is the person that gives you an objective standpoint without any any emotion, but more factual about, you know, telling you are you on the right path toward hitting your goal. So if I were sitting down with my mentee, I would talk to them about, okay, what is your goal in the next 30 days, six months, one year, five year, 10 year, et cetera. Once I find out what their goals are, I'll then talk to them about how would they like me to help them with their goal. That's with the time management and meetings and everything like that. And then once we talk about that, then I'll ask them, what is it that we really want to work on in this next 30 days? So for example, for my college students, you know, let's talk about you passing my course and then taking your upper division psychology courses. That's one check mark. The second check mark would be, I need you to go sit down with your academic counselor and make your four-year plan to see if you're going to transfer to a UC Cal State or private school or out-of-state school. That's check number two. So I'm literally giving them kind of like a roadmap per se of what they need to do and in what order. And if I notice that they're veering off, a mentor will be the person and the person, the mentee has to be willing to accept this feedback. The mentor is a person that'll try to reel them back in and say, well, hold on. You know, you're going down path B when we talked about you going down path A. Did something change? And if it did, you need to let me know. Because for me, I'm very... Um, motivational and energetic when it comes down to someone telling me what their goals are. And anyone who knows me personally knows they cannot tell Takesha that they want to work on something and I'm going to let them just slide. Mm-hmm. As soon as you tell me you want to do point A tomorrow at 7 a.m., I'm texting you asking you, what have you done today to focus on point A? And I feel like that's the joys of a mentor. So that's also maybe why some people don't want one because they think they want one, but they don't want an accountability partner. Yeah. And that's the word that kind of, I had three words kind of come to my, my mind as you were speaking about what a mentor is. And it was accountability, admiration, Mm -hmm. and um, connection. Someone that you admire, somebody that you look up to and inspires you to either follow a path or embodies qualities that you wish that you had in yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Connection and just having that place to kind of go to and check in and like reflect and make sure that you're going in the right direction and knowing that you don't have to do this alone. Somebody's carved this path out for you. Cause I think so many people feel like they have to do everything on their own and they forget that like there are people out there that are willing and, you know, excited and passionate about helping you. Right. Um, Don't reinvent the wheel. Yeah, exactly. And then accountability. And I think that's the one that a lot of people run from, especially millennials, because accountability has this like negative um, 
like vibe around it for some reason, which is just a skewed perspective of it. It's okay to be accountable for things. Mm -hmm. And yet I think we fear that in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Accountability is definitely something that I think in any arena, when someone's working toward a goal, you know, they'll have the mentality of and have the mindset that I really want to work on this particular goal. But when it comes down to actually doing the footwork to make the goal actually happen and go beyond the dream and somebody's there to hold them accountable, that can be a pretty scary because some people are also scared of success. I found, you know, when I work with a lot of the, um, you know, young clients that I work with as far as the coaching business, um, with transitioning, they're just scared. They don't know what to expect. So a lot of my work as a therapist with the coping strategies of relaxation and positive affirmations and changing your mindset to believe that you're going to be successful, not you hope you're going to be successful. It's the way you word things. Um, once they get that down packed, they're more willing to put in the work. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think a mentor is such a great representation of it is okay to be successful and it is possible to be, and they get to serve as that mirror, like maybe highlighting areas that you need to work on, but also mirroring back qualities and strengths that you have as well and pointing them out to you, which you might not even realize about yourself. Uh, Yeah. So those are some um, like just logistic things. It sounds like how much mm-hmm. are you willing to dedicate? How accessible is this person? Um, what are some other things that, you know, people can look for and amend? Well, accessibility. So even though we talked about time management, um, I view someone finding a mentor kind of like a mini interview. So you want to look at the characteristics that they have and see if that even matches you and your personality. And so, um, For myself, in the beginning of my psychology career, I ideally wanted a psychology mentor because they had actually went through the path and the steps that I needed to get through in order to get out of graduate school and get a job. So my first mentor was in my master's program, and she still is my mentor, but then my second mentor was in my doctoral program because they both had a doctorate degree, but it's just I met them at different chapters in my life, and I needed different things at that time. And so I had to look at what do I have coming up the next couple months or the next year and how can this person help me get there? And then I also tell um, my mentees, you know, you want to interview me or interview someone that you want to look at as a mentor and have your questions ready like an interview. So for example, in my doctoral program, when I first interviewed her, I asked lifestyle questions. And I think that's one piece that's typically missing when people look at a mentor too, because they think it's all school-based, you know, or work-based. And I'm looking at, you know, how did you get the lifestyle that you had? My doctoral um, uh, mentor, you know, she had, I felt like she had like seven streams of income, which is awesome. She had like five to six kids. She had a husband and she worked full-time at one of the places and part-time at the other places. And I wanted to know how she did it. And so I interviewed her and it just so happened that beyond the five to six kids, I actually have her life because I was really focusing on lifestyle at that point. I want my life to look like yours, not just my job, you know? And so looking at the end result for the person, the the student, um, when they look for a mentor and if that person matches your end result, um, then you definitely should sit down and interview them. Yeah, definitely. And I think so many people do look at a mentor as someone that's directly related to like career and um, school and stuff like that. I don't think it's a common 
or a well-known perspective to know that you can look at someone as a mentor for your life. Like what kind of person do you want to show up as? What kind of parent do you want to be? Um, we, we don't think about a mentor as somebody that can guide us in those areas and those more personal, intimate aspects of our lives. Yes. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. Yeah. So, um, yeah. What else, you know, what else must a mentor, a good quality mentor embody? Um, some of the things, some of the other things beyond those is just being available to the mentee. And so, like I said, it still goes back to square one with the time management and with the expectations of the, what the mentee has of the mentor, but you definitely want to also follow through with your mentor. So for example, um, you know, a lot of individuals nowadays, they may not have good time management skills, especially the young people I work with. They don't have a lot of good time management skills at all. And that's the one thing that actually gets them into my office. And then we explore other areas that need to be worked on. And so, you know, I talk to them about, especially when they interview someone they look up to, you know, don't waste someone's time. If you set up for an appointment, um, you know, at a particular time, that person took time out of their day to schedule their appointment, et cetera. So make sure that you follow through and make sure that you're prepared. So, you know, have your questions ready. If you haven't met with your mentor in a month and maybe not even talk to them, but they just sent you a quick chat, hello, via email or text, have the questions that you want them to answer when you actually get on the phone or, you know, meet up with them. And, you know, if you're really organized, you can actually email them you know, the questions um, that you want them to answer just so that it'll shorten up, you know, the time that you guys have to spend together. Because I don't know what type of mentor they'll have, but a lot, a lot of mentors like myself, like my time, when I get back into work full time, it's very, you know, stretched thin, you know, between all my things I have going on. So just being respectable of your mentor's time, but also just being prepared um, and also being open to new ideas. And if they want to even link you with other people that can help you, be receptive to that help and don't turn it down. You can never have too many mentors. You know, you don't have to just have one. Yeah, so. definitely. Um, so tell me about your own journey with mentorship and kind of how did that start for you? How did you kind of reach out to your first mentor and like see the benefits that that brought to your mm -hmm. life? And it sounds like you kind of use that as a tool in like all aspects, whether it's your career, school, your personal life. Um, and you've had a lot of people kind of help you pave your own path. Mm -hmm. So the first mentor that I had actually was my uncle. It's my, um, my mom's youngest brother, but we're only 11 years apart. So we pretty much grew up together. And he was the only um, kid, or I would say uncle, um, that actually went to college and finished. And he went to get his graduate degree. And so when I looked at, again, I'm, you know, when kids, we look at lifestyle, we look at materialistic things being 17 years old, like, oh, he has a house. Oh, he finished college. Oh, he has a good job. Oh, it pays six figures. I want that. You know, and so the material things sometimes drive us to look at people, but that's okay. Um, and so I looked at his lifestyle with something that I wanted. And so he was the person that I went to to ask for help simply with my college application, him and his wife, um, when I was um, in high school. And so when they helped me, like with my personal essay, um, they also helped me with my essays for graduate school because that was one of my weaknesses back then. It's like my writing style. Um, I really definitely looked up to him. And then I started to ask him questions about, you know, how was grad school for you? And I made sure that I was actually at every milestone that he completed regarding college because it felt good to know someone 
to make it to a certain level and I was so close to them that I can have it too. So I think that that's an important factor that I talk to a lot of my clients about is that, you know, when you want something, you definitely have to surround yourself around those people Mm -hmm. um, because that way you'll start molding yourself like those people. And so he was my first mentor. And then, like I said, I went off to uh, beyond college. I went to graduate school for my master's degree. And how I found that mentor is she was my um, like assessment teacher, which is how they teach us how to do testing. And I fell in love with doing testing. So that's how I ended up talking to her more. And then I actually asked her to be a TA. So that's how we got close. And then I started doing research with her my second year. And so the relationship actually bonded um, by itself. And then I just one day asked her, you know, I think that you're pretty cool. You're somebody who I look up to. You're somebody who is doing the things that I think I want to do when I graduate. And so can you be my mentor? And then she was the person that actually asked me, why am I not in a doctoral program? Because I could have went straight for my bachelor's. And that's when that opened up my eyes to even know that I could have done that because I was told, but I forgot. And I did not have anyone to push me to do it. So she helped me throughout the uh, applying to the doctoral program process. And then when I went, it was like almost a handoff with all my mentors, but they didn't know each other. Mm -hmm. And so then when I went to my doctoral program, um, again, I had an assessment professor, but she taught other courses as well. And she was the one that I referred to earlier about the lifestyle, the kids and things like that. And so every time we would go into her class, she would talk to us about her day. That was our check-in about what gig or job she came from. And I just thought it was so you know, cool that she could handle all this stuff on her plate and still like come to class and teach us. So, um, she started, you know, I started getting closer to her. I became her TA for testing for actually a a full year, two courses before I graduated. Um, and then we did a couple of other projects together at the school, but she was the one, like I said, that I interviewed my first year, just knowing a little bit about her. And when I did that interview, specific questions that I asked her was, what is, and this is important if you're, um, if you, if you fit within this category and you think you want a mentor, write these questions down so you can repeat them with your mentor. I asked her, you know, how does she get into this field? Because I want to know what her passion is and where it came from. I asked her, what is her current work schedule? Because I like her idea of her life right now, but I need you to break that down for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I asked her, um, how does she get through her doctoral program? Because I need motivation. It's my first year, you know, in three years or four years for like a long time right now. Um, And then I just also asked her about like her lifestyle. Like, you know, I know you said you had kids. So how do you balance out professional life and personal life? Um, And then she, you know, told me her magic. And I was like, wow, I want to be just like you when I grow up. And I'm 25 at the time. I'm grown, (laughs) you know. So um, I still stay in contact, like I said, with all the mentors. Sometimes I just check in. Like when I just had a baby, I'll check in and, you know, send a picture of the baby or whatnot. But I stay in contact because they like to hear my wins. And that's another thing from the mentor's perspective. Now that I am a mentor, it is so awesome, whether it's five or 10 years from now, to hear from our mentees, even if they just want to shoot us an email and say, hey, like, guess what I'm doing in my business? Guess what I'm doing in my career? Guess what's going on in my personal life? That brings joy to my heart when I know all the work we put into this individual working on their goals. And they're finally starting to see all that stuff come together. So, yeah, that's so amazing. And I can just hear like the passion that you have and the difference that this is made in your own life Mm -hmm. and why you want to share that with other people. 
Right. You know, my question for you is, is this something like that asking for help, like seeing qualities in other people that you admired and you wanted to embody in yourself? Was that something that came naturally to you or did you kind of have someone that helped you feel like it was okay to ask for help and that it was okay to kind of reach out and kind of, um, you know, ask those questions and put yourself out there in that way? Or was that something that was more natural to you? Mm -hmm. And um, if it was something that was more natural to you, how would you suggest that people who might struggle asking for help or might be a little bit more reserved in putting themselves out there in that way? How would you um, suggest that they kind of learn that skill that? So I actually fall on both sides because on one end, I'm very outspoken and I know I need help. But depending on the person I'm asking for help from, such as a mentor or like, for example, I said, now I have a coach for my business. Those people seem intimidating to me initially, even though I know or I think I know that, you know, they have the lifestyle that I want right now or back then. So for people who can't ask for help, I definitely resonate on that side because I knew that I needed the help, but when it comes down to verbally and physically, you know, walking up to the person and ask for help, there's an intimidation status that comes along with that. And some of the things that we psych ourselves out and tell us is this person's going to say no. That's probably the number one answer people get in their minds. Um, they don't have time for me. They probably have a lot of other mentors or mentees that, you know, are doing better than I could at this point. Um, or just like negative statements like that, like ongoing. And so I would say the first thing someone wants to do if they feel intimidated or they are more introverted or more just quiet and they don't want to say anything or they know they need help, but they just don't want to take that next step is that they probably want to sit down. And I'm a big fan of writing things down, whether it's in your phone or on a sheet of paper. And I would encourage those people to write down why is it that they feel like they need help at this point in their life. How could help, if they get it right now, help them in the next month, six months, a year, and so forth? And then lastly, how can this particular person, from what they think they know about this individual, how do they think that they can help push them along to reaching their goal? Once someone writes all that down, that should be enough um, confirmation for that person that they need to go ahead and ask that person for help. But then it's the next step of how you ask for help. So depending on what access you have to this person, my examples were my family members and my college professors. So I had access to them every day and every week. But you may see someone online or, for example, we're doing this podcast. You may hear me and I may say, "Okay, go to my website if you want to chat with me. And then you may say, oh, I don't want to. I don't you know, all those negative thoughts will come up. Go to my contact box and just shoot me an email. You're not talking to me. You're talking to my inbox. So it's more indirect. And some people may need to detach from maybe the face-to-face. And if they feel more comfortable reaching out to people via email, then they do that. One thing I will say on precaution, though, is that a lot of individuals nowadays contact people via social media. There's not, I don't have a problem with social media because I'm into social media. However, sometimes, for example, my inbox on Instagram gets full. And so if I don't see your message, I don't want to miss your message, but I prefer for people to email me. And I have, you know, an email click link on my Instagram page, but some people that are so used to social media nowadays, they just click Facebook message or inbox DM on Instagram. And some mentors actually do not prefer that. They will prefer another type of medium for you to get in contact with them. So I will say I would prefer mentees to, email the potential mentor or give them a call and leave a voicemail. 
and have that person respond back to you. Yeah, just something a little bit more personal because you are asking somebody to take some time out of their life. And I just want to say like uh, kind of what you said before that it's intimidating sometimes to mm-hmm. uh, reach out to people and especially people that you admire and body qualities that you really respect or want to cultivate in yourself. But there's always this saying like what we the people that are um, where we wish to be that took a lot of failure and mistakes and a lot of learning experiences to get there. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, there are people just like you and me, and they've gone through their trials and their shares of failure. And they may be successful now, but what we see isn't always how they got there. And we forget that there was a path that they had to follow too, and times that they've fallen down on their face and had to get back up and learn from it. Mm-hmm. And that can kind of be forgotten when you're looking at someone that you kind of respect or idealize in a way. Right. No, I definitely agree. Yeah. They're people too. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, so that's a big part. It sounds of your kind of life skills program is kind of helping people being a mentor yourself, but also helping people figure out and identify what type of mentors and what areas in their lives they need mentors for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to go back to, it was one of the initial questions, but I don't think I actually answered the full question about um, what type of programs do I have for this particular topic. And so um, right now I have what's called a power program and the power program is geared toward um, really honing in on what skills you want in a mentor, because even though my students who are in the course and it's not my college students, it's anyone who can join the course, but any student who's in the program, I don't have to be their mentor. I'm just teaching them how to find the right mentor because they may not even be in Los Angeles or California. Mm-hmm. And so the goal is to define what success means to them and then um, define some characteristics that they will want in a mentor. And I have exercises that they would do weekly to help them focus in and answer those questions. We would focus on, you know, what are some actual goals, not dreams that they want that are tangible within the next year or so, and how can they reach those goals? And then how can the mentor help them do that? And then the big thing that I focus on is just mindset, because just in 2018, there's so much of, I'm going to say negative thinking patterns that people have when they think about what is it that they really want to do, um, which to me gets in the way of people actually making goals, following through, asking for help, getting a mentor, because at the end of the day, they just may feel like they just can't do it. And so my goal is to be, if they haven't already, be that first point of contact. And this program is four weeks. It's all online. And it starts um, like June 4th on Monday. At the end of the four weeks, everybody who's part of the program gets on a Zoom live call. And it's for an hour. And that's the live Q&A. So like I said earlier, all those things that I said that they should do with the mentor, I'm training them how to do it with me. And then if they want to continue to work with me as a mentor, as a coach, they can do that outside of the program as well. And or now they have the tools to take with them to find another mentor. And the stuff that they get through the class, it's um, all through an online course portal. So it's unlimited. The class does not shut down when their cohort is done with their four weeks. So if there are certain things that they need to work on more, like goal setting or mindset training, they can go back and listen to those videos or audios and do the exercises if they meet them again a year from now. Mm-hmm. That's such a cool thing to have just because sometimes we learn these lessons and when we're in the midst of our growth and our personal development, we can feel really excited and passionate. And then 
you know, kind of fall into a routine and forget all the lessons that we learned and the growth that we've experienced. And so having access to something that you can check in with every once in a while and like, you know, Mm -hmm. reflect on that's super powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They only have to be 16 to even get in the course. They don't even have to be, you know, what I call a full fledged adult after 18 or in college, because I believe that again, we should start early. I know we talked about that in the last, like the life skills, these things should start when kids are young, Mm -hmm. you know, particularly in grade school. So in high school, I would hope that some of the youth already have an idea of who they want to be their mentor um, and or have a mentor already. Yeah, definitely. All right. So I always ask, as you remember, for three takeaway points for listeners. So three quick little recommendations, thoughts, something that they can take home with them from this um, discussion, from this podcast. Yeah. So the first one I would say is mindset training. Um, If you ever find yourself in doubt about some of the things that you want to accomplish and you're talking negative, stop yourself from that negative thinking and turn that into something positive. Like, you know, the basic, I can't, I can't. Um, So that's the first one is uh, mindset training. The second one is setting a goal. And so if your goal is to get help for whatever you want to accomplish in your future, write the goal down, put it somewhere that you can see it every day and ask yourself when you wake up, what am I going to do today to actually work toward that goal? And then the third takeaway is you need someone ideally to help push you toward that goal. Someone who's going to be objective and who's not going to let you slide and slip through the cracks. And so that's where mentorship um, comes into play. And you want to start thinking about who you, not necessarily who you want as a mentor, but maybe what type of mentor you want, because sometimes the mentor is staring at you right in the face, or you may see the mentor, you know, every so often you don't even know it. So that's so true. All right. And how can uh, guests or sorry, not guests, sorry, listeners or other therapists that might have questions for you or want to work with you, how can they reach you and get in contact? So you can, um, it's a few ways. They can go to my website at drtk.com. They can utilize the contact page. Um, They can read about me in the, uh, about Dr. TK page to learn more information about different services that I offer, but they can use my website. They can also go to my Instagram. Um, My Instagram page is doctor spelled out TK, T as in Tom, K as in kite, um, psych like psychology. And it's an open page so they can kind of get a vibe of even how I view my lifestyle and the positive thoughts that I filter out through the day to my followers. And so that's the main um, places to contact me because if they go to my website, it'll go directly to my email. Okay, great. And I will link that below and include a bio so that you guys can check that out. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you so much for joining me. And once again, congratulations on becoming a new mother. Thank you. Exciting new stage and maybe even utilize some mentorship in that because being a parent I mm-hmm. imagine is very difficult at first. Is, is this your first? This is my first. I have a stepson. He's seven. Um, and, and I, we've had, I've had him since he was three and a half, but this is my first time with a newborn. <laughs> yeah, That's so challenging. All right, you guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the guiding compass podcast. I really appreciate your support And I love doing this. I love spreading awareness about mental health and helping professionals and uh, listeners, you know, just connect about these topics. It's so important. And as I always say, remember to follow your compass. Have a good one, guys. Mm